0: Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features Senior Pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. In this episode, Pastor Eric preaches from multiple passages about Christian marriage from God's design. As you listen to some biblical points about marriage, consider how your marriage, dating relationship, or future marriage can be a tool for the furthering of the gospel. A gift from God and a picture of the gospel, marriage should be lived out in ways that honor Now, here's Pastor Eric. If you have your Bible, I invite you to open to Genesis chapter 2.
1: This morning, I told you it's a little different sermon, like last week's was, uh, where we looked at gratitude for the church. But uh, today, it's not necessarily going through a text like we like to do and preach through series. We're going to do that. I mean, we're going to build up to Easter, and then probably after Easter, look at a series in 1 Peter. But for this Sunday, we're just going to look at a Christian marriage. What is a biblical marriage? What is the Christian marriage? And, and a little bit different because we're not going to be taking so much you know, Scripture verse by verse, but just taking it as a whole. You know the Bible and thinking through these things and bringing out some things and saying, this is what a Christian marriage is. But let's start with the institution of marriage in Genesis chapter 2. Let's look at verses 18 through 24. Then the Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. Right? Everything's good. He sees it's good. He sees it's good. It's good. This is good. This is good. But something's not good. It's not good that the man should be alone. I'll make a helper fit for him. So out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Whenever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, one of his ribs, uh, while he slept, the Lord took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. I like what one old Puritan writer said. He said, it's the, it's the rib because it's, it's to be, you know, around a place of safety and, and comfort. You know, it's not the arm where, you know, it's, it's, I'm going to domineer and overpower you, but it's a, it's a place close to the heart and close to the, to the, the bosom in a place of protection and to, to wrap around. That's where, where Eve came from. Uh, verse 21, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This is at last bone of my bones flesh of my flesh and she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, it's the parents, hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh, Ehad flesh. Hero Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one, Ehad, Ehad flesh. They become Ehad. God is Ehad. They're to be Ehad. Verse 25, And the man and his wife were both naked, And they were not ashamed. Take your Bible and go to Mark's Gospel. Mark chapter 10 to see what Jesus says. Now, Peter will reference the garden scene. Paul will reference the garden scene. Even Jesus himself references the garden scene. And there are many places that we could go to look at a Christian marriage. But let's go to the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verses 6 through 9. Awesome, we can hear pages turning. Not every Christian on the planet can hear that, right? They they need the Bible translated. And so if you're gifted in that, go to school and and do it. That's a a great calling. And uh, we can give to Bible translation ministry. Mark 10, verse 6, Jesus says, But from the beginning of creation, God made them, male and female. (laughs) Yes, He did. Uh, It speaks to current events, doesn't it? Um, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother; that speaks to current event, and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. The Hebrew, had flesh. They're now one. Jesus says, so they're no longer two, but one. What, therefore, God has joined together, let not man separate. Here's biblical marriage. Biblical marriage is one plus one for L. One man plus one woman for life. That's God's design. It would be quite foolish for us to take the car or the appliance and to say, I don't care what the company intended, designed and functioned to be like, I'm going to make it my own, right? It won't last long. You'll tear up the car, you'll you'll burn down the house, it won't work, right? And it's the same with marriage. Marriage between you know, same sex, marriage outside of God's design and God's planned institution, it's not going to last. It's not going to work. You can't, you can't apply these principles to that and expect it to flourish because you basically threw away the instruction manual when you threw away God's intended design. We have to say that these days. So I want to talk about a Christian marriage. I want to say something first that's kind of symbolic. None of us were married in Eden. And yet, we certainly married a child of Adam and Eve. And if our spouse is a Christian, God is our father-in-law. So we must be careful how we treat God's daughter or son. Understand what I'm saying? None of us were married in Eden. Translation, there is no perfect marriage. (laughs) Uh, We always marry a child of Adam and Eve. Translation, we marry sinners. I am one. She married a sinner. (laughs) A fallen creature. But if we are in Christ, if it is a Christian union, we have to be real careful about how we treat the other person because all of a sudden when I marry a mandolin and she's in Christ, God becomes my father-in-law. How would her heavenly father like the way I'm speaking to her, like the way I'm treating her? And so we are hopefully married in Christ. And that makes all the difference. There's a great verse in Hebrews 13, verse 4. You could look at it. But maybe this could be our base for today. And it says this, let marriage be held in honor among all. And then he goes on to talk about the, even the marriage bed. But this is what we are doing today. We're, we're holding marriage in honor. We're honoring Christian marriage and a biblical marriage. And so today, 30 points that I have come up with. Like what in the world? Yes, I know. Exactly. 30 30 ideas. Just want to drop these ideas about what a Christian marriage is, what a biblical marriage is, and let them stay more than than anything. And you could take these from all over the Scripture. But in in reading a great book uh, by Gary Thomas called um, uh, uh, Sacred Marriage... A lot of this began to, you know, I kind of started out keeping the, the little notepad for me. I want to be a better husband. I'm reading this. I'm writing it down. And you know, it's kind of, some of it's starting to turn into a sermon. I'm like, okay, stop. Okay, I have a personal application. You know, but I'm reading and I'm, I'm making other notes and, and God's impressing things on my heart. So I want to share this with you today. Number one is this. Thank you, Caleb, for running into Miss Regina's absence. We pray she gets to feeling better soon. Number one is this, that marriage is spiritual. A biblical marriage, a Christian marriage, is spiritual. What we, what we have in this union, it's, it's spiritual. It is, in fact, a spiritual discipline. It, it should produce in us holiness. It is spiritual. It is to God's glory. Do You remember 1 Corinthians 10, 31. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. And John Piper loves that verse, and said, you know that's kind of haunted me because whatever you do, do it for God's glory. For us, all of a sudden, marriage becomes something that it's it's all about God, and it's it's spiritual. It's a spiritual discipline for her. It's a spiritual discipline for me. This is kind of the point of Gary Thomas's book, um, uh, "A Sacred Marriage," and um, he's basically shows us so how, how over the course of church history, how celibacy has uh, become to come to be viewed as the more spiritual thing and celibacy is not more spiritual it's just different it's different spiritual your marriage is spiritual it is just as spiritual as somebody saying i'm going into the you know this and i'm becoming celibate this is spiritual number 2 marriage is about holiness more than happiness amen and that's the truth that we really see overarching in Scripture: that our marriage is more about our holiness than our happiness. The idea that marriage is about happiness is a modern idea, right? They used to, the marriage used to be a, a forced marriage, and it was more about land, and it was more about some kind of you know uh, alliance. And now, in our culture, marriage has become this thing about happiness. And although we should be happy, what's the big thing about marriage? It's this: is that marriage is about our holiness. Our holiness. First Peter 1, 15 and 16 says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. So wouldn't that solve a lot of problems and a lot of issues and a lot of just me sulking when I don't get my way, when I still go, Hey Eric, you know what? It's not about your happiness. It's about your holiness. So how are you going to let this in marriage produce Holiness. Wouldn't that just change us? Change the way we think? Gary Thomas writes this. He says, What if God designed marriage to make us holy more than to make us happy? Isn't that why He gave Adam Eve and Eve Adam and all the great spouses in Scripture to produce not necessarily happiness but holiness? Number three, we could say all these things the same way. I guess I could condense but I just wanted to pound it again and again. Number three, this marriage is more about him than about us our marriage should be more about him than it is about us number four marriage is pleasing God what if we took that view said you know what that's the biblical view of marriage it's not pleasing self it's not self-gratification it's even not pleasing spouse but ultimately it's about pleasing God so God in the marriage how can I please you this might please me and this might please her, but even she's not the end. I'm not the end. It's God. How can this be pleasing to God? Number five, I think this is related and it's, it's pretty important is this, is that marriage is sanctification. Marriage is sanctification. One great marriage counselor said these words, Your spouse will sanctify you. It, she will. He will sanctify you. That's, that's what it's about. Sanctification is this. It's the process of being set apart to God. To be set apart to God and apart from sin. Away from something and to something. And marriage is meant to be that. Marriage is meant to be sanctifying. That, that process where we say no to sin and no to the flesh and we learn to, to say, okay, yes to God and, and yes more about pleasing Him... Now listen, if you're teenagers, this is just good dating advice, right? If you're single, this is good advice, period. If you if are single again, all of these things can apply as we honor marriage. Even in whatever state God's called us to, we, we preach it and we teach it and we say, all right, these are things that, that we can apply and that we can note. Remember 1 Thessalonians 5.23a, Paul says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. So what if that's really what marriage is about? What if it's really this spiritual discipline where God's working on us and God's using us to, to sanctify each other and we're to grow in godliness and we're to grow in holiness? That's countercultural, isn't it? Even for um, even sometimes in the church, even some of the modern marriage day help things, it's it's all about how you can you know have this kind of happiness or how you can have this kind of feeling. You know, if you do this, then, men, it'll pay off, you know, here. You, you know what I'm saying. Um, like, and it's, it's so selfish. It's, everything's, everything's warped. But Christian marriage, biblical marriage, is different. Thank you, Caleb. We'll put the next ones on, this, on the screen. Number six is this. Of course, you see this in the Bible that, that we have to also remember that marriage is temporary. It's just one part of our life, and it is temporary. You know what? Death makes it temporary. Some of you have had to bury a spouse, and that makes it temporary. It ends, right? Even Paul talks about that. When, when, when the spouse dies, he uses it for the illustration of the law. He says, when the spouse dies, you're no longer bound to that person. So you're free, again, to, to marry. Marriage is, is temporary. One of us will bury the other. It, it, it doesn't last forever. And it's temporary in light of eternity. In light of eternity, our state in eternity will be so much different. And Jesus said these words. Remember when the Sadducees came up to him and they, they had problems with the resurrection? They said, hey, we want to kind of give you a riddle. That's my paraphrase. But he says, you know, this, this man had a wife and then he died. And then so the, the kinsman redeemer took over and he, he married her and then he, he died. And, you know, so basically there were seven different husbands. So whose husband will, uh, you know, she have in eternity? And Jesus said these words, Matthew twenty two thirty. 30. In the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. So what it shows us, although we don't fully know what the kingdom of God is going to be like, it shows us that our, our time in eternity is, is different. We don't marry. We're not given in marriage. We don't recreate and produce others. I mean, eternity is so much different. And so marriage, this earthly marriage, it's, it's temporary. So we focus more on the, the eternal things and how this is used to... Lead us into sanctification. Number seven, marriage is constantly learned. Amen? Nobody's figured it out. It's something that we constantly have to learn. I guess so many times, I haven't preached often on marriage because I don't feel like I have any expertise in it. I don't feel like I really even do it well. And how can I talk to it about others? And some of you that have been married 50 or 60 years, but the truth is is that marriage, no matter how many anniversaries you have, it's something we're constantly learning. J.R. Miller, uh, one of the sort of, you know, Puritan-esque writers of 1894 said this, Wedded happiness is a lesson that must be learned. No two lives brought into this close relation can blend into one without self-discipline. Marriage is the beautiful unfolding of many years. it, It unfolds over many years, and it's something that we constantly have to learn. I'm better and I've told some of you this, I'm better when I'm doing premarital counseling because it's preaching to myself and then it forces me to go back home and to try to put it into practice. I'm better, would you say, maybe this week I've been better or the the last couple, have I been a better husband? I'm putting you on the spot. Okay, two thousand, yeah. I'm better if I'm reading about it, right? I'm, I'm better if this is constantly before me if we're trying to learn these things. You too. Think about this. Uh, I thought about you, Andrew, and Madison. Uh, some have given this illustration, but, but like two instruments, or like, no, stay two instruments. Ad, ad warp the illustration. Like two instruments, we have to constantly be retuned to one another, right? Every so often, a guy comes and he retunes this and it, it gets everything back in place. And that's how it is for Marilyn and myself, and probably for you and your spouse. We go along, but, but they're okay. We're kind of not, we have to retune. Let's get back in, in, you know, calibration. You could think of some other illustration, but marriage is that way. Number eight, marriage is regularly training. Over and over and over. When you stop training, you know what happens, right? Atrophy sets in. When we stop training towards a godly marriage the atrophy sets in, we get out of shape, you know, in that way. And so it is, it is training, it is hard, it is, it is work, it is a
0: challenge.
1: We have to, we have to train, I'm constantly learning, we, we retune, we say, okay, we need, to, we need to up the weight, we need to get better, and, and our marriage needs to be stronger, and prayer can help, and how, how do we do that, what we're doing today may help. Number nine, marriage is growth. Right? If we're not growing, we're dying. Marriage is about that, that slow growth, that harvest, that we're growing closer to God, and we're growing closer to, to one another, that, that uh, we're growing in a godly marriage. Number ten, marriage is testing, right? You know James talks about there are in this life tests, there are in this life trials. God tested people, and marriage is one of the greatest tests. It will test you. It will test us. Marriage is testing. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Number 11, marriage is seasons. Marriage is stages. The Bible was filled with stages, right? The Jewish calendar, they had this beautiful cycle that they go through and it's almost Passover time again, right? And, and Ecclesiastes says there's a time and place for everything, right? And marriage is that. Marriage is seasons. There are good seasons and there are hard seasons. Amen? Some of you have walked through those. There are good times and there are tough times. There are times that there are stages, right? There's the stage when it's just us. And then there's the stage that when the kiddo gets born. And the stage, you're like, oh, this whoa, I know the stage. I right? had sleepless nights. No, it's a blessing, right? It's just different. There are stages. And now I'm in that you know, young high school, middle school stage. Help me. Tell me, please. You know, I'm asking uh there's the college stage then there's the stage of like now we're empty nesters right there's the stage. i don't know you you know those seasons and stages but that's what marriage is there was a great pastor i don't was it bonhoeffer i told you guys it i don't know he said this said my wife has been married to five men since we've been married and all of them are me right and that's the same i don't know she's been married to like you know I've told you that before, like five or six different Erics, you know? It's like the Eric before kids, the, you know, the little chubby Eric, the, the runner Eric, the, the youth pastor Eric, the, uh, the uh, adult pastor Eric, now the mentally insane pastor. But it's like we, we change, you know? Like we, we that's marriage. Who, who's got it figured out? So we're constantly learning. We're constantly in a different season, in a different stage. And so, hey, guess what? If I don't like this stage, just hang on. A different season comes, right? It's doing something. It's sanctifying us. And as we are sanctified, it should should change. It should look different. Oh, we could talk so long about this, but number 12, marriage is reconciliation. Do you remember what 2 Corinthians 5.18 says? He says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. If we've been reconciled to Christ, we now have that ministry of reconciliation to others. It's why, we, it's why we go out and it's why we share. We want people to be made right with God. Go from hostility to harmony. That's what it means to be reconciled. But marriage is that. Again, over and over and over and over again. It's just this constant process of being reconciled to one another. So here's what it is. Marriage is conflict, confession, and forgiveness. Repeat cycle right laundry oh, that plays into marriage but that's that's marriage right it's 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 conflict it's confession it's forgiveness it's repeat cycle that's reconciliation there's a conflict a tension in it hey i'm sorry i shouldn't have said that i was i was angry when i was on the interstate yesterday right you know like so so do you forgive me yes I, it's a practice of forgiveness it's reconciliation and then we and then we do it over and over and over again daily if necessary weekly right God says, that's what I'm doing. I'm showing you reconciliation. It's, it's producing holiness in you as you learn that. Marriage is, we could certainly say that forgiveness cycle. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted. We know in marriage where to stick the knife. The more anniversaries you have, you know, I know, like, I can get her right there. I know, right? We, we can fight dirty, don't. He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. It's it's so hard sometimes. He says, but forgive, learn that. Let God do that in you. Forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. There are some beautiful stories that I know of in Adairsville, the community and also in our church, of of spouses that have shown forgiveness and grace, and I love it. I, I celebrate it because it's only the Holy Spirit. It's only God. That's, that's done that. And there are some great stories of reconciliation. Were there testing? Yes. Was it a tough season for them? Yes. But they reconciled and they showed, number 13, repentance. That's what marriage is too. It's repentance. It's, it's repentance. It's turning uh, uh, and saying, hey, I'm, I'm changing. I want to turn away from that sin, away from that habit, and I want to turn to God and I want to turn to you. So we, we repent in our marriage. It's, it's what a biblical marriage is. Now, secular marriage, they're missing so many of those of these things. Amen. As we kind of look on the opposite side and say, that's, that's where people would just go, you know, I'm not doing that, and I'm not going to do that, and I'm not going to do those things. Number 14, marriage is work. It's work. Gary Thomas, again, writing, he writes to young couples, so engaged couples. So uh, maybe later on, Ashley, if you're watching this and we got the wedding coming up in June, uh, here's what he says to you. Young, engaged couples need to hear. A good marriage is not something you find. It's something you work for. Amen. And many of you know that. It's not something that we find. Like, I want to find the the right one. It's not finding the right one. It's doing the right work right? I, I want to find a good marriage. You'll never find it. The, the good marriage is something that we work for, right? It's something that we do a, again and again, and it does. It takes work. I imagine that's why some throw in the towel. Marriage number 15 is related to that. We, we could say it this way, that marriage is a good challenge. Anybody like puzzles? I don't like puzzles. Madeline likes puzzles, but a puzzle is a good challenge. If the puzzle wasn't a challenge, it would be boring, Right? Um, To me, it wouldn't. But like, uh, like the reason that you like that sport, right? The baseball. The reason that you enjoy it is it's a good challenge. The hobby, it's a good challenge. I want to get them. I want to, I want to find it. It's a, it's, it's a good thing to work for. And so like a sport, a hobby, a puzzle, that's what our marriage should be. We should look at it as this is a good challenge. This is something that, that I want to do and I want to repent and reconcile and I want to work towards this and produce holiness and I want to say no to the flesh and ah, yes, I can do this. We can do this. As we go to some others that I've kind of grouped together, I want to show you number 16 It's this, marriage is perseverance, and marriage is persistence. And that's a key biblical truth for us, especially. We must be steadfast in our love. If God is steadfast in His love towards us, we need to to be that way. And so marriage is perseverance. Remember when Paul writes to the Romans, he says, Endurance produces character. Perseverance produces character. So going through those hard times and persevering, it's doing something. Marriage is perseverance. Marriage is persistence. Over and over and and over again, right? I love you. I'm not going anywhere. I I am committed to you. We are going to persevere together. Number 17, marriage is patience. Remember Paul said love is patient. Paul said this, be patient in hardship. So love is patient. Love is being patient even in the hardship, and so that's what a biblical marriage looks like to, to persevere and abide under, and to just be patient, just to still long suffer well for our spouse, but for God God's glory. Number 18, marriage is commitment. Amen. It is commitment. This is key in Scripture. This is key all throughout, that it is one man and one woman for life. That's God's original intention, his original design. And so marriage is a promise. And in marriage, we really should learn these two words. They are the two words, regardless of. Hey, regardless of dot dot dot. I'm here. Regardless of dot dot, dot I love you. Regardless of the money, the looks, the this, the that, the, 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 the disease, the illness, regardless of the kid, regardless of this. I'm all in. That's perseverance. That's the promise. That's the, the patient. I, I, I need to have that mentality more, right? Of just, of just me, not even just saying it, but yes, saying it, but also just, the, you know what, regardless of, regardless of I love, regardless of I'm committed, regardless of this, I'm, it's doing something in me. God, she may never even change, and she may never even, but regardless of all that, God's producing something in me, so I persevere. Tim Keller says this, you know, there's some that just, man, you get that, you get in those tough moments, and all of a sudden, it's like someone better starts to look like someone better, right? I just some in, but what if I had someone better? Tim Keller says, the someone better is the spouse you already have. That's the someone better. <laughs> the someone better, man, is the spouse you already have. Drill it in your head. It's commitment. It's perseverance. The someone better is her and someone better needs to be me, and if we'll work, God will sanctify us. One writer of the 1600s, a great Puritan writer, says this, Every wife should be to her husband as Eve was to Adam, a whole world of women. And every husband should be to his wife as Adam was to Eve, a whole world of men. You get it? Number 19, marriage is advancing, not retreating. Many retreat. And it is not retreating. Marriage is advancing. We are advancing in our marriage. We are not retreating. I'm not retreating. It's not a spouse retreating and pulling back, right? The, the, kind of the point is this, is that marriage is sacred. Marriage is spiritual. It is so much about holiness. And if we can start to look at it that way, celibacy is not the more spiritual thing. Marriage is advancing, not retreating. Do you know what's not more spiritual and it's not even biblical? It's for me to have a celibate heart. That's wrong, right? For me to take my heart and to go, now, now I'm going to make that celibate. Now the bad stuff or the, you know, the, this kind of stuff or this kind of stuff, then that, we're too, but, but with my heart, I'm going to take my heart and just isolate it and it, it will become, so, that's wrong. That's not intimacy, right? So marriage is, is advancing. It's advancing, it's not retreating. Number 20, I like these next few. Marriage is sin exposing, Amen. It will expose our sin. Marriage is like a flashlight on our sinfulness. That's what your spouse does. She just comes and puts the flashlight. Oh man, that's my sin. And it's showing. And I didn't even see it and now I see it, right? That's what marriage is. It's, marriage is confronting our selfishness. I'm, ah, I, didn't, I am selfish. I am. <laughs> right? And it, it forces me to confront. It may be easier to be celibate and locked in. You know, somewhere one old Puritan writer said something like, "A man is not married, and that's his hell. Another man is, and that's his plague." You know, I mean, but but it, it, you know, it, it's harder. To, this this is work. This is a hard thing. It's confronting sin. It's confronting selfishness. Number twenty one, marriage is facing our weaknesses because we see them. We can run from them and I can try to become a celibate heart and I don't want to face that weakness. Or we can say, no, to become one. I'm going to face that weakness and spouse, you're going to help me and we're going to sanctify each other and help. Number 22, marriage is mortification. That means the putting sin to death, the great old terms. You mortify and you vivify. You put to death the flesh, the old man, you vivify the spirit. And that's what marriage is. It's mortification. It's the process of putting sin to death. Remember what the epistles of the New Testament say. Put off the old self. It says this, put to death what is earthly in you. And marriage is meant to help do that. If we'll let it. If I'll let it. It's it's supposed to help me put sin to death. It's a good challenge. Helen Rowland writes these words. Marriage is the operation by which a woman's vanity And a man's ego are extracted without anesthetic. (laughs) It is. It's painful to have our vanity and our ego and our selfishness and all those things extracted. But it is the process. And it's God's design. One couple, uh, Gary and Betsy, write these words. One of the best wedding gifts God gave you. Ready for it? What's the best wedding gift God gave? One of the best wedding gifts God gave you was a full-length mirror called your spouse. Had there been a card attached, it would have said, here's to helping you discover what you're really like. That's it. And that's sometimes why we are so embittered against our spouses because that spouse is like the full-length mirror that's showing me how ugly I am. Sometimes one has said, maybe if you are dissatisfied in your marriage, maybe it's really some form of self-hatred where you don't like who you are and what you see. We can change. We can pray. We We can ask. We can get help. J.C. Ryle said this, Marriage is, after all, the union of two sinners and not of two angels. (laughs) Amen and amen. Number 23, marriage is responsibility. It is what we don't enter into lightly. We can't preach that enough in this day and age, in this culture. But marriage is a responsibility and it's our responsibility to do these things, to serve. Serve one another in love. Just practice the one another. Even sacrifice. To even sacrifice. To even die to self. To sacrifice. I mean that that one. Wow! Like this is. I'll be working on that one in every stage and season of my marriage. To constantly look for ways to serve. I want to serve you today. I want to sacrifice even for you. And can we say this? Kind of a P.S. You're not serving them if you sweep their sin under the rug again and again. Wives, you are not serving him. If you are sweeping his sin under the rug and hiding it, or not dealing with it, and not—that's not sanctifying him. That's not helping him. That is—we think of a disrespectful wife sometimes as the one that's real verbal and like out. Like I'm—I'm—you know—real disres- You are disrespecting your wife if you become so passive that you are the pushover that you just sweep and and everything's okay, right? That's disrespect. You are disrespecting him because you are not helping him produce holiness. Right? I think, I don't know, some people say, we've never fought a day in our marriage and I want to go, one, I don't believe that, but maybe, okay. But, but if not, why? Like, is it because you've just learned to dismiss sin? Or to hide it or to sweep it or to tidy it up? And that doesn't help anybody. It's painful when she extracts my, my vain ego. But that's what I need. Number 24, marriage is legitimate. That's a key word. Marriage is legitimate sexual intimacy by design, and it's a beautiful thing. Uh, you need to see Song of Songs for that. Teenagers, God wants you to have sex in marriage. In marriage. One man, one woman, four life. It's not a bad thing. God created sex, and it's a beautiful thing in marriage. He wants it for you in the right place, at the right time. There is sexual intimacy that's good. We probably need to teach our youth that more and more. That's why I say it, but because um, they have a warped view of it. But this is what marriage is. It's legitimate sexual intimacy. Now, men, if you're looking at women, if you're looking for sexual intimacy, and it happens both ways, sadly, uh, in the community all over, um, it, it, that, that's not sexual intimacy, one. It's like a pseudo thing, but, but uh, it's certainly not legitimate. But marriage is meant to be that. Th- this is the legitimate way. Can I read you one of the best passages on marriage that probably has a lot to do with how marriage is about holiness? And it's that really weird passage of 1 Corinthians 7 where Paul says, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Maybe he's quoting them. Maybe they wrote that. Like, it's good for people to remain celibate. Well, 1 Corinthians 7, uh, 7 chapter, uh, 7th chapter, 1st verse. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but... Because of the temptation to sexual immorality. So it's about holiness. Because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife doesn't have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband doesn't have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Don't deprive one another, right? No, that's not right, except perhaps by mutual agreement for a limited time so that you can devote yourselves to prayer. But come together again, he says, so that Satan may not tempt you. It's about holiness because of your lack of self-control. Now, we could, you could preach that uh, a number of different ways. It's probably not an often-preached message, but you kind of see what he's getting at. There's holiness, and this thing is right, and there's a right time and place for that, and it's about serving, but it's also about sacrificing. So it's also about this, this whole mutual part uh, 25, marriage is about oneness. You saw that in Genesis. I tried to point it out with the ehad. If you've heard me do a wedding, sometimes I interject that. Jesus talks about it. Marriage is oneness. That The two become ehad. And that's the, that's the Hebrew word that the Jew prayed three times a day, that God is Ihad. And so if we become ihad, we are becoming like God. Our marriage is to be God-like. It's to point to God. Marriage is oneness. That, that beautiful part of two becoming one. 26, uh, I wrote this one more to, to get on me, uh, on my toes, uh, but maybe some of you that have kids. And it's this, marriage is to our spouse, not to our kids, right? It's so hard in this day and age where it's like, almost like we become married to our kids, right? And we're just like, I'm my kid's Uber driver. Right. And others have agreed. So I go from like just one place to another. Right. It's like it's like, wait, wait, wait. I'm um, my kid's parents and I'm not really their friend or their Uber driver. But my marriage is to be to my spouse. That's the one that lasts longer and it's the most important. That's what's created first. Adam and Eve, not the kids. Right. But it's, it's learned. OK. All right. I'm married to my spouse and, and to do all those things to spouse first and, and not to kids. And that takes work. Right. I'm not I'm not good at that. Number 27, got to close almost. Number 27, marriage is about honor and esteem. Marriage is about honor. Marriage is about esteem, honoring the other person. Romans 12, 10 says this, outdo one another in showing honor. I need to do that more, right? To outdo her in showing honor. And then if we're trying to outdo each other in showing honor, it's just the, the respect and the honor increases, right? To, to honor someone. And someone has said this, honor isn't passive. Honor has to be expressed. Right? I can't be like, I'm honoring you. How does that work? Like, Brother Andrew, I'm going to honor you today. Like To honor would mean like words of praise or, or a gift. Or, right? Honor's always expressed. And when I read that, I went, ouch, because that's so hard, because I like to think I honor my wife, but, do, but am I honoring her with, with, with the, in those types of ways? So we don't have time, but go to Peter and Paul's letters when they talk about the roles of husbands and wives. Husbands, love your wives, and, and the way they treat... It's all, that is all about honor. That's what marriage is, honor and esteem. Esteeming the person. Number 28, marriage is communication. It is authentic communication. It's genuine communication, something we all have to work at. It's so important. I believe I tell a lot of married couples the two C's are, are crucial Commitment and communication. I think if you have those two, that you're you're set almost. You know, Christ and, and communication and commitment. Nobody's going anywhere. We're committed. That's clear, and we we're going to communicate. We're going to work through things. It's, it's so critical. Number twenty nine. Marriage is ministry. What is ministry? Ministry is meeting needs with love. Anytime you see a need and you meet it with love, you're doing ministry. You can minister to kids here. See a need, you meet it with love. It's ministry. You you can minister to the homeless on the street. You see a need, you you meet it with love. It's ministry. But marriage is ministry. It's ministry to the other partner, to God's child. Oh, father-in-law, how am I doing? Am I treating your daughter the right way? I want to meet her needs with love. Ministry. But it's also doing those ministry things together, right? A ministry to each other. But then marriage becomes a ministry to others. How can you as a couple do ministry to your next door neighbor? How can you as a couple do ministry in the church? And then, how do you even minister to God? How do you complete the mission that God has given you? Oh, Number 30, we close. Marriage is the gospel story. It is a picture of the gospel. It is part of the mission of God for you. If, you, if you're called, if God... Put you in that marriage relationship. That's God's mission for you. And it's part of that gospel story, that gospel picture. And it all of a sudden becomes part of the Great Commission. We are to be married, number one, for God's glory, but number two, for the Great Commission's sake. We're to be married to say, how can we go and spread the the gospel? Marriage is the gospel story. I often tell people in marriages, have you got the idea that this is about that? It's what it's really about. Marriage is about the gospel relationship. A a, a wedding with a husband and a a wife is is meant to reflect Christ and the church. You can see Ephesians chapter 5 for that beautiful part. It's, It's really about the gospel. I like what Pastor Tim Keller says. He says, The Bible begins with a wedding and ends with a wedding. Right? It begins with the wedding of Adam and Eve and it ends with the wedding of Christ and the church. The marriage supper of the Lamb. It's important. It's it's a picture of the gospel. Alan Duren Longman, in one of their books, says this, Our marriages are basic training for the one marriage that will not disappear. This is about that. And that begins with faith alone and Christ alone. That relationship starts that way. To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and to be saved to be baptized, to join the church, to be wedded to Him, and at the marriage supper of the Lamb, that wedding is for all eternity. That marriage will not disappoint. Never, ever. So as we close today, if you're not a Christian, we invite you to become one, to admit to God that you are a sinner, to believe on the Lord Jesus and be saved, and confessing as Savior and Lord, to say the things that I'm looking for, they're found in you, in a relationship, God, with you, and I want to be knit Together, to you, Lord Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and Lord, and, and He will save you. And for us, we can preach this, and hopefully today you just walk away with something, you write something down, get in the Word. If you feel like, Pastor Eric, you weren't in the Bible enough, go, get in it and find it. Read the, read the passages, Ephesians 5, and other passages, 1 Peter 3. Go to the book, Colossians, go there and, and read and find out what God's Word says. As for marriage, we either make it or mark it. So let's pray and let's seek to make it.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.